everyone, this is Matt, and we are starting a new series on building character, becoming more Christ-like. And I'm really excited about this series as I needed this in my life badly, and I know it'll also benefit you as well. Building character first involves making some very difficult choices about some hard changes in our lives. So how do I make the changes in me that I want to make, but I just seem to be stubborn parts of my personality that I just can't seem to change. See, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to let you stay that way. And so his goal is to make you like Christ. So how does he do that? Are you just walking down the street one day and all of a sudden you're zapped and instantly you think like Christ, you feel like Christ, you talk like him and have emotions like Christ? No. Sadly, it's a process and a very long and difficult one at that. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. It says we are being transformed. It's an incremental process. The message paraphrase says it this way. Our lives gradually become brighter and brighter. Now, Ephesians 4 has a lot to say about spiritual growth and change from verses 11 to 32. It's going to give us six principles that God's Spirit uses to make us spiritually mature. Now, before we get to those six, why is it so hard to change? We have to ask that question first. Why are personal defects so hard to fix? Well, firstly, you've had them for a long time. You see, you didn't get the way you are overnight. You didn't collect all your hurts and habits and your hangups in a week or two. It took years for you to get messed up like you are today, and me the same way. Many of the patterns that we have as adults were established way back in childhood. Those patterns may have helped you cope emotionally. Sometimes they're survival tactics, but they can also be self-defeating as a, an adult, and you know it. But sometimes we know they're familiar, and you've used them, so it's hard to let them go of some long-standing patterns in our lives, even if they're hurtful. We've had those defects for so long, it's going to take a lot to deal with them. Second reason is we identify with our defects. We often confuse our identity with our weaknesses, with our defects, with our problems, with the thorns that we have in our lives. We'll say, I'm a workaholic, or I'm passive-aggressive, or I'm just a timid person, or I'm an overeater, or whatever you think of. When you see yourself in a certain way, you're setting yourself up for self-fulfilling prophecy. When you say something like, I always get motion sickness on boats. Well, guess what's going to happen the next time you're on a boat? You're going to get sick. And often we have these things in our lives that we don't like, but we're so identified with them. And we have this unconscious fear that we may not even realize. If I change, will I still be me? Third, every defect actually has a little reward. Whatever is being repeated is being rewarded in your life. In my life, whatever is being repeated, whatever behavior, whether it's self-defeating or not, it's being repeated. There's got to be a reward somewhere. And we don't keep doing things that aren't rewarded. You know, I don't eat green beans because they don't taste good to me. I don't like Brussels sprouts, even though they're healthy, because they are horrible. <laughs> So anytime there's a negative behavior in my or your life, it's being repeated over and over with yourself or with your kids or with your spouse or your partner. There's some payoff, even if it's only temporary. 
And if you're going to change, you're going to have to figure out what that payoff is. So you can say, that's not really worth it. Let me give you an example. I yell to get my kids ready for dinner. And then pretty soon the kids learn that yelling works and they don't respond unless I yell to them. And the kids actually reinforce it in me. So I keep yelling because they don't come the first time when I calmly say, dinner's ready. If I yell, dinner's ready, now it works. <laughs> so I repeat it. And sometimes we have a negative behavior or self-defeating behavior and it's really masking my real pain. Sometimes we hold on to it or it gives me an excuse to fail. And sometimes we actually set ourselves up for failure or it compensates for my guilt. I'm feeling bad about something. So I think, well, I got to pay for it. And we do it through this defect. Or sometimes people use their defects to control other people. They can get very manipulative about that. Sometimes the defect can cause me to get more attention. There's lots of different motivations for negative and self-defeating behavior in our lives that cause us to keep doing it, even though we know it's wrong, it's self-defeating. It could be our identity. It can be something that we think that we can't do without. Fourth reason, Satan fights our change. He is constantly suggesting negative thoughts to you. He says things to you like, you don't change, you're hopeless. You've had that defect, that weakness, that problem in your character, you've had it all your life, and it's never gonna change. No matter what you try, it's not gonna work. You may as well give up and enjoy what you can. Those are words from the evil one that keeps you stuck in the rut. And sometimes Satan uses fear. He says things like, if you rock the boat, something bad is going to happen in your job, in your relationship, in your marriage, in your friendship. Don't rock the boat. People are going to walk out on you. They're going to judge you. If you change too much, no one's going to like you tomorrow. So what can we do? What do I do to make the hard changes in me? Not just the easy ones, but the tough ones. Well, let's check out Ephesians 4 and see what God's going to teach us through these six principles of how to make the hard change. All right, so here's the first one. Real change begins with new thinking. See, if you want to change the way you act, I've said this so many times, but it needs to be said over and over again. If you want to change the way you act, you want to change your behavior, you don't focus on your behavior or actions. You focus on your thinking because if you change your thinking, it's going to change the way you feel. And if you change the way you feel, it'll change the way you act. What you think is who you are. Remember, the battle is won or lost not in your actions. It's won or lost in your mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. That's Change the way you think. That's why daily time with God is so important because you have daily renewal whenever you have daily time with God. Ephesians 4, 17 to 19 says, don't keep living as the ungodly do for they are hopelessly confused in their thinking. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They're far away from the life that God gives because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They don't care anymore about right or wrong. And they've indulged themselves in all kinds of immorality and evil thinking and constant desire for more. Here's an intriguing thought. In life, whatever the world says, figure the exact opposite. Figure what's going to be what the truth is. The opposite of what the world is thinks about money, you think about it. The opposite of what the world thinks about work, 
the opposite of what the world thinks about sex or fame or what matters most. If you want to be transformed, you can't be conformed to this world. If you want to be transformed by God, you want to be totally different woman, totally different man, can't be conformed to our society and what our culture and what the world says. And you can't do this on your own power. 1 Corinthians 3.19 in the message paraphrase says, The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid. Okay, got it. Let the Spirit change my thinking. Now, how does the Holy Spirit do that? Because we can't do it on our own. How does he change our way of thinking? Well, that leads us to the second principle. Number two, real change requires learning the truth. You see, God uses the truth to make us complete. And what is the truth? It's his word. The secret to personal change is not willpower. It's not pill power. It's not resolutions. The secret of personal change in the hard areas of our lives is knowing and applying the truth, which is in the word of God. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So we need to know the truth that we messed up and sinned and broken our relationship with God. But God loved us so much he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in our place and act as the sacrifice bearing our punishment. And if we ask God to forgive us, he puts all our past, present, and future mistakes and sins on Jesus and Jesus pays for him, and he restores our relationship with God. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can change and see how much he loves us every day. Now, why is the truth so important? Because behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie. It's a lie that you and I believe. Behind every sin, behind every self-defeating behavior, behind anything that's self-defeating in my life, there's a lie that I'm believing. It's not only giving me a payoff by believing something that's just not true and maybe something about myself that's not true or maybe something about life, maybe something about my past that isn't true. I may be believing something about others that isn't true or something about success or something about the present. I may be believing a lie about God. I may be believing a lie about failure. I may be believing a lie about the future. I'm just saying that whenever I get self-defeating behavior, I'm believing something that simply isn't true. Ephesians 4.21 says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth, that is in Jesus. The more you get to know Jesus, the more truth you're going to have in your life. That means you can trust his word. Now, if you trust God's word, it's going to help you in four ways. 2 Tim, Timothy 3, 16 and 17 gives it to that. It says all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful. And then he gives us the four ways the Bible says it's useful. To teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong, it straightens us out, and it teaches us what to do right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way for fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. In the King James Version, it says it very shortly and briefly, God's word is profitable for what? For doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. In other words, if I put it in modern language, it shows us the path to walk on. It shows us how we get off the path. 
It shows us how to get back on the path. And it shows us how to stay on the path. That's the fourth thing the Bible teaches us to do. So if you and I are going to make permanent changes in our lives, we first got to change the way we think. And that involves the Holy Spirit helping us by getting us into the Bible, by getting into God's Word. The truth is transforming. And the more truth you get in your life, the more transformed you're going to be. And if your life is not changing, it means you're not spending enough time with the Word of God. Third, real change requires cleaning house. Now, depending on what you need to change or what you want to change, it depends on what you're going to clean. If you want a healthy body, well, maybe you need to get rid of the junk food and throw it out. If you still have Easter candy lying around, it's got to go. I have two kids' birthdays this week, complete with all the bad food that goes with it. I got to get rid of that. Throw all that out of your kitchen if you want a healthy body. It's killing me this week because they both asked for their favorite meals. And they're two of my favorite meals. And it's awful. I had to cook steak for my son and tacos for my daughter. And of course, I partook. It was delicious. And then my daughter asked for the most amazing dessert that I love. It's this key lime and cheesecake double batch. I don't know how to describe it. It's like in a cup. There's like key lime pie at the bottom and then cheesecake on top. Oh, so good. My wife like made it up and it's just delicious, but it's so bad for you. I guess that's why it's delicious. I got to get rid of all that. I'm glad my kid's birthday is over. I got to throw all that out. If you want a healthy body, if you want a healthy mind, maybe you need to block certain websites or staying off social media, or maybe block some TV shows or channels or Netflix or whatever. If you want a healthy schedule, what you need clean house there as well. Well, you got to eliminate some less important activities. You got to clean house in your schedule. So what if you say, well, I want a clean heart. Then maybe you need to do some spring cleaning in your heart by spending time and saying, God, what do I need to confess to you? Augustine once said that confession of bad works is the beginning of good works. So step three is house cleaning. Bible says it like this in Ephesians 4.22. Get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to. The old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. Another verse talks about it is Hebrews 12, 1. We must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially any sin that distracts us so we can run the race that lies ahead of us. Now that verse is saying we got to clean house. And when you clean house, it means you're throwing stuff out. Don't hoard. I don't know what it means to you, but... I want you to think about these verses. Reread them. Ephesians 4.22, Hebrews 12.1, in a few days. Because you'll probably, you'll forget 95% of this talk within 10 minutes. But go back to those verses, Ephesians 4.22 and Hebrews 12.1. And that's how you practice this step of house cleaning. It's so important because if it's lying around you, you're going to be tempted and you will fail. That's how it is with food. If I have food within reach, I'm going to reach it. That's the best way for me to not eat it is for it not to be in the house. And it's hard with two kids or three kids, I should say. Fourth, real change requires honest community. Now, there are some things that you're never going to be able to change on your own. You're going to need people in your life for support. You're going to need a small group of people that can be gut level authentic with you. You see, some of the things in your life have to be team tackled. It's like a football game. Sometimes a player 
an opposing player is so big, you can't, you need to double team him. You know, if there's an Aaron Donald coming at you and you're the quarterback, you better double team him. That's the way it is. There's some people, but it's not just a normal small group of people. You need a small group where you are gut level authentic with them, where you can talk about areas of your life where you're weak, where you have a defect, where you have a problem, or maybe it's an inborn pattern. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. See, we waste an enormous amount of energy just pretending, just pretending that we're people that we're not. So if you're serious about changing things in your life that seem to be unchangeable, if you're serious about growing in Christ, if you're serious about removing some of the defects and some of the weaknesses and some of the things you don't like about yourself, you're going to have to face your fear. And that fear that you have to face is your fear of being honest with a few people because it's the only way you're going to be able to change. You won't do it on your own. If you could, you would. But you can't, so you won't. You need other people. You've tried doing it by yourself, and it didn't work. You see, our biggest hurdle to growth, our biggest hurdle to maturity or to holiness, you know what it is? It's our desire to look good. If our desire to look good takes precedence over actually being good, it's impossible to change. Now, what's interesting about this is right after that honesty and how we're supposed to be completely honest with each other and to let go of our pretense, then we have Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, which to me is by far the most needed thing in Christians' mouths these days. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Remember, this is right after the honesty verse, okay? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ forgave you. We should have so many less problems in our lives if we just followed those four verses. Now, here are some easy rules to understand for that small group of people that you're going to allow into your life that you're going to be completely honest with, and hopefully they'll be honest with you. Four simple rules you need to follow. Number one, what you say with that those group of people, what they say with you, stays there. No gossip. Period. Number one rule. Second rule, never minimize others' pain. It may not be a big deal for you, but it is a big deal for them. Never minimize others' pain. Second rule. Third rule is a big one for guys. Don't try to fix people. Period. You listen. Use the healing power of your ear. Don't try to fix people. Rule number three. Number four. Focus on your own changing. Who cares? They just opened up to you. You don't fix them. You only fix yourself. You only focus on your own changes. I don't focus on changing you. I focus on changing myself. If you follow those four rules, I guarantee you, you will be in an amazing situation and you will make the hard changes. Fifth principle, faster change requires coaching. Who you listen to matters. You need to listen to those who have a lot to say about this. I know when I do podcasts, I always repeat what I've learned or what others have taught me or what others are teaching me. I remember when I first started preaching and in my first preaching class, I was taught 
Use the wisdom of those that have gone before you. Don't try to create everything new. You can't. There's Ecclesiastes even says there's nothing new under the sun. You know, wisdom is better as it ages. Even now at almost 50, I listen to those who have gone through more life than me or had a different life than me or people who are of long past. It's, you know, you can learn so much from other people or from others. And I can learn tremendously from them. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, So Christ gave himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. There's people all around us that Christ made to build us up. And we need to listen to them. I listen to them. You need to listen to them. We all do. Because you want to change quicker? You need coaching. Sixth principle. Real change requires faith. You have to believe that you can be different with God's help. You have to believe that you can change with God's help. You have to believe that God can transform you with his spirit and with his word and with your choices. And so when you have those three things lined up, his spirit, his word, and your choices, things can change and be different. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who empowers me, who strengthens me. Amplified Version says, I'm ready for anything through him who infuses inner strength with me. We can do it all if we have Christ's power. That's a can-do attitude. And that's the attitude you ought to have towards your own spiritual growth. Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. You will get to choose how much you change. Period. You get to choose how much God's going to bless you in your, li- in your life. You get to choose how many character qualities are going to be strengthened, how many character defects are weakened and even removed. You get to choose according to your faith. It will be done unto you. Will you believe? Now, I think this one really hits me hard. I've been in such a malaise lately, and I've been asking God to help me and show me how to wake up. And I think I just wonder if it's possible sometimes. All I see in my life is failure. And I wonder... Is it really possible for God to change me? And I guess what's really happened is I just lost faith that God can change me. Not faith that God can change other people. Oh, no, no, no. I always believe that. But then when I look in the mirror, I wonder, I don't have faith that that God can change me. Now, this is one of the fringe benefits of me talking to you guys every week in podcasts, is God can fix me as I'm talking. You got to believe that God will help you with whatever hard change you need to do, or else you're going to be stuck you got to have faith in his promises because real change requires faith. So let's review. In order to make the hard choices, those six principles over again, real change, it begins with new thinking. It begins with learning the truth about how much God loves you and what Jesus died for you. It requires cleaning house, getting rid of anything that will cause you to fail around you. And that can even include people. Fourth, real change requires honest community. Fifth, you need coaching from teachers. And sixth, real change requires faith that God will bring even the most difficult changes in you. And that he's not giving up on you, that he has a plan, and that you can do it through his power. Well, I hope that encouraged you this week because I know I'm really encouraged. God bless and see you next week as we look at breaking destructive patterns in your life. Oh boy, that should be a good one.